Emir's Education in the Proper Use of Magical Powers Written by Jane Roberts En ik begin bij het begin Chapter 1 The World Tour That Wasn't Once upon a time A small prince named Emir lived in a brand new kingdom. The earth itself was brand new, or almost, and it was given as a gift to Emir's people by God. No one could see God, but everyone could see the sun and moon and clouds and stars and grass, just as boys and girls can see these today. So the people pray to the god of the sun and to the god of the moon and so forth, just to make things easier. Emir's father, the king Jamil, decided to send Emir on a long journey around the entire kingdom, instead of sending him to school. A teacher would go along too naming all of the lands and seas and birds and animals and people. Emir's father said, You must write down all the names in a make-believe notebook in your head, because notebooks and pens haven't been invented yet. Emir had black hair and dark eyes, and he wore one golden earring, as all little boys did. But father, he said, there are no airplanes or cars or trolleys or trains because they haven't been invented yet. So how will I travel? That was a very important question. His father had an answer though, one that frightened Emir right down to his toes so that the tiny bells on his red shoes jingled. You will go by boat, his father said triumphantly. We do have boats, though. They aren't very big, but then a small boy doesn't need much room. Emir thought of the deep ocean that was supposed to surround the entire kingdom and he was very sure that he wanted to stay at home. I am afraid to travel on that big ocean, he cried. Suppose the boat sinks. Suppose there are terrible thunderstorms. And who will cook for me and wash my clothes? And what about my cat? And my horse and my parrot, they'll miss me and there won't be room to take them along. Emir looked around at his golden room in the palace and he wanted to cry even louder, thinking how much he would miss his toys and belongings. But his father was ever so much bigger and stronger than Emir, and older too, of course, and when he said, It's all for your own good. Emir knew that crying was just a waste of time. His father said, If you're going to live as a grown-up in the world someday, you have to know what the world is like and what kind of people and animals and plants are in it. 
I have to stay here to rule the kingdom while you're gone. You have to learn what the other creatures of the earth are like and how to get along with them. You have to really meet the rain and wind and sun and lightning. And you just can't do that in a palace with people taking care of you all the time and a golden roof over your head. So, off you go. Uh, I wish my mother could come with me, Emir answered. He tried not to pout. His mother, he knew, was on important on an important business trip on horseback, visiting relatives and taking the census at the same time. Since everyone was a relative to everyone else, the trip had already taken many months. We each have our own job to do, Emir's father said. Your mother has already had to invent some more numbers just to count the people alone, and she still has to count all the animals and other kinds of life. Besides, a trip will do you good. Emir's father really did love him, and Emir knew that his father, father probably did know best. But he was frightened anyhow. He really wanted to please Camille, but if there was anything he really hated, it was getting cold or wet. His father was very brave about such things, though, so Emir didn't want him to know how really upset and scared he was. If only boats had roofs. If only he could be sure that it wouldn't rain during his entire journey. And suddenly, Emir had a plan. That night he left his room. He left his favorite toys sitting by themselves on his golden couch. The guards were all asleep. And the moon was shining so brightly that Emir could see all the bushes and trees and flowers and the tiny insects that buzzed through the summer night. Emir was very quiet. He looked up to the sky and prayed as follows. Dear sky, I beg you not to let it rain or storm while I'm on my journey so that my little boat won't sink. Please give me pleasant weather with the sun always shining. Emir waited. No one answered. Nothing happened. Even the insects paid no attention. And worse, he heard one of the guards snoring. Again, somewhat impatiently, Emir began to speak to the sky. Do you hear me? I want you to promise that it won't rain while I'm on my trip, because if there's anything I really hate, it's being wet and cold. Besides, Besides, if it storms, my ship might sink and my father says it has no roof, so if it rains, I'll be miserable most of the time. The stars went on twinkling. The moon went on shining. But nothing happened. By now, Emir was growing angry. As a young prince, he was used to being obeyed. And he almost always got what he wanted. And Emir had a temper that got out of bounds at 
times. So, he said even more impatiently, under his breath, Sky, I'm asking nicely, please let a star grow red or green or drop out of the sky or something, anything to let me know that you hear me. But the stars were all silver, and the moon was round and silver, and not one star changed changed color or moved an inch. So this time Emir cried and stamped his feet and yelled, I demand that there be no rain for my entire journey, I insist. I'm through asking nicely, I demand that the weather be clear, do you hear me, do you agree? And one silver star came shooting down from the sky. It fell far off, way to the end of the world, or so it seemed. Emir held his breath. He was suddenly quite frightened, because when the star fell, the world became very quiet. Then he thought he had heard, he heard a voice, very far away, but very close as well. It said, Oh, Emir, so sorrowfully that he felt very ashamed of himself, but only for a minute. Who said, oh, Emir? He asked in a whisper. No one answered. He looked under the bushes and behind the garden statues. He even got down on his hands and knees and searched between the rows of flowers. But he saw no one. In the meantime, the trees began rustling. The flowers moved their stems and leaves. Suddenly, the whole garden seemed to be crying. Oh, Emir, at once... He knew the garden was really saying, For shame, Emir, but was too polite to say it outright, and this made him angrier. Look, he said, my little boat is really only a rowboat with oars. It only has a tiny sail to catch the wind. Steamships aren't invented yet, or vessels big enough to hold lots of people. My boat is open to the rain and wind. That's why I demanded good weather. I had a really good reason. The garden was quiet. Emir thought harder. Then he said, Besides, I'll learn more if I'm comfortable and not sneezing all the time. And if I get a cold, my father will be very upset. Oh, Emir said the garden. But Emir was very stubborn. He stamped his feet three times so that the bells on his red slippers tinkled, and he turned around so fast that his one earring bobbed up and down. He told himself that he was happy, no matter what the garden said. Hadn't the sky sent him a falling star to let him know it wouldn't rain? It had obeyed his command. For a very young prince, he thought, he was doing very well indeed. 
everyone knows, though they've forgotten, that the grass and trees and sky and ground are all alive, though their spirits are inside themselves, just like the spirits of little boys and girls are inside their bodies. So the spirits of the grasses and flowers and stars were all listening when Emir made his demands. And they were very angry and disappointed. Emir is a very ignorant little boy, the spirit of the palm tree said, without words of course, because trees don't use vocabulary. They rustle and sometimes very nearly roar when the wind rushes through their fronts or branches. You mean Emir's dump, the wind said. And not very polite either, added the flowers. In a matter of minutes, the whole garden was in an uproar. He won't listen to anyone, a ladybug said in insect talk. So he certainly won't listen to us. He thinks that the entire earth is just here for his benefit and no one else's. I think I'll teach Emir a lesson, the sky said. Actually, the sky didn't talk, but all the stars twinkled like Morse code, which hadn't been invented yet, and the clouds made a big all over the heavens. And the sky said, We'll just give him what he wants, and I can assure you, he won't like what happens. Oh, he won't like it at all, thought Emir's cat, who went outside all alone without his golden leash and sat there listening. Emir refused to listen. He covered his ears with his hands and ran from the garden straight to his room. In, a, in the morning, all the preparations for Emir's journey were finished. Now, no one knew for certain where the ocean was, because the world was so new that there hadn't been time to find it yet. The king was sure, though, that the nearby swamps led to a giant river that flowed down to the sea. Once Emir was there, all he had to do was sail all along the coast and stop at the different lands he passed. This way, the king was certain that Emir would travel around the world and learn everything there was to learn. So... Emir's boat was moored at the point where the swamp met his father's land. Emir named his boat the Feather, hoping that it would skim the water as lightly as a feather. And on the day his journey was to begin, he assembled all the belongings he wanted to take with him. No, you cannot take your cat, his father said. But as soon as the cat saw the boat, he escaped from his golden leash and ran away anyhow. You can only take yourself and two changes of clothes. Don't forget your make-believe notebook, though. You must write down everything that you learn. 
But Emir started pouting, because his cat was running away toward the palace as fast as he could. His father felt so sorry for him that he said, You can take your parrot if you want. If he doesn't enjoy himself, he can always fly home. This cheered Emir considerably. His parrot sat on his shoulders. Its beautiful tail feathers were so multicolored that Emir never counted all the different hues. But when the parrot saw the boat, it flew away. Emir sighed and tried not to look sad. Well, anyway, I'll have my teacher with me, he said. Who's my teacher going to be? His father looked surprised. Oh, I thought you understood, he said. The world is your teacher. It will be all around you. The ocean and the wind and the stars and the moon will all teach you many things. And they won't take up any room in your boat either. This was almost too much for Emir. He tried to look princely and not like a crybaby, particularly since many of the people in the kingdom were now arriving to see him off. Oh, well, he said, shrugging as if, it didn't, as if he didn't care. But you said I was to write down the names of everything I saw, and if I don't have a teacher to tell me, how will I know the names of things? <laughs> Each creature or rock or whatever will tell you its name when you get to it, the king answered. But suppose they don't? Or I don't hear? Or the wind is blowing so loud that the words don't carry? Or suppose some things don't know words? Emir stopped, shamefaced and looked away. The sky understood words all right, he thought. Hadn't it sent a falling star to let him know it understood his demand? And there wasn't a cloud in sight. Never mind, father, he said. I guess you're right. I'll just listen hard to make sure I get the names right. The feather was waiting for him, and it was a very little boat indeed. It was carved out of the biggest tree the king's subjects could find. Trees hadn't had time to grow very tall yet, so there was barely room inside for Emir, a bundle of clothes, a coconut shell filled with honey, a jug of water, and some dry biscuits which fluffed up like cakes when they were wet. Emir's father kissed him on both cheeks. His aunts and uncles did the same. They all said, You have an exceptionally clear day to start your journey. And Emir smiled from ear to ear, thinking how foresighted he'd been to get the sky's promise of good weather. There weren't any clouds all day, or the next day either. 
Emir's boat skimmed along rather well, with the soft but sure wind that ruffled the shallow green waters of the swamp. Willow trees hung over the mossy banks, and high grasses and brown and yellow reeds grew up everywhere. Emir heard insects he'd never heard before, and he saw wild birds he'd never seen before. But most of all, he saw his first alligators. Not that he knew what they were at first. His little boat was going smoothly along when Emir saw what he thought was a brown-green log in the water ahead of him. Then he realized that the log was alive. Huge jaws opened, showing great teeth and a mouth almost big enough to swallow Emir and his boat. So it seemed to Emir. What on earth are you? he cried. The alive log moved so quickly that for a moment Emir didn't see where it had gone. Then he did. It was on the other side of the boat, looking up at him with slanted eyes. I'm an alligator, it said. It didn't speak words, but the name just popped into Emir's head as the alligator's jaws opened. Since the creature made no effort to hurt him, Emir said bravely enough, Oh, I thought you were a log. (laughs) A log indeed, the alligator said, smiling the longest smile Emir had ever seen. What do you do? Emir asked. The alligator said, I love the water and I sunbathe on the banks by the swamp and I eat flies and frogs. Emir made a long face of his own. Mm, I can't imagine eating flies, he said. But I'm very glad that you don't eat boats. Wood isn't really my cup of tea, the alligator said. Though I understand that you have some honey, and that is a delicacy. Emir really didn't want to share his food, but politely he took out a dry cracker, put some honey on it, and threw it out into the water. The alligator caught it neatly. Emir felt more comfortable with his new friend and the alligator accompanied him for the rest of the day, chatting and catching the honey and crackers that Emir threw him from the boat. Finally, the alligator slithered up to a mossy bank, and Emir went on alone. He remembered to write the word alligator in his mental notebook, choosing a special make-believe red pencil. He questioned each creature, insect, bird, fish, plant or tree that he passed, and he wrote each name down. Each night there was a beautiful moon, bright enough to light up the entire swamp, 
and each day the sun shone in the bluest, clearest sky imaginable. But as the days passed, Emir noticed a strange and disquieting thing. At first he thought that it was just his imagination, but each day the swamp seemed to dry up just the tiniest bit. Each day there was a little less water under his boat, and each day the boat went a trifle slower. The soft wind still blew, but the boat didn't sail along nearly as well. Emir worried that it might get tangled up in the reeds or grasses, or worse, just settle on the bottom of the swamp. It seemed that the bottom of the swamp was coming right up to meet the bottom of his boat. Now, what could cause such a thing? Emir wondered and wondered. In the meantime, he got a lovely tan and enjoyed the beautiful weather and thought how wise he'd been to demand that there be no rain for his entire journey. Then he began to notice other things. The insects in the swamp didn't sound as loud as they had in the beginning. The fish that passed by swam much more slowly. Worse, the alligators didn't smile at Emir as he passed them, or wave, or talk. They barely nodded, and their colors were very dim, and not nearly as pretty as they had been before. Still, Emir trailed his hands over the water and munched on his honey and crackers. He congratulated himself again on his foresight in demanding good weather and imagined that he was all wet and disagreeable and cold from a storm. Then he laughed because it wasn't so and never would be so since the sky was following his command. Emir felt quite powerful though he did get a trifle hot as the days went by and he had to cover his arms with a sweater because his skin was peeling from sunburn. Finally, one night, it occurred to him that he was quite uncomfortable indeed. Besides, he was running out of food. His boat was going so slowly that it moved more like a rock than a feather. He thought that by now he'd been He'd be in another land where he could find new provisions. Just when he really began to worry, Emir heard a junk, then a crunk, then a series of bangs. And the feather just stopped. Emir looked down. There was no water under his boat at all. Only one small puddle, and the soft wind stopped blowing. And as Emir watched, a hippopotamus ambled over, drank up the puddle, and waddled off. Emir was hungry. He reached out for a reed, because they were usually delicious. 
but the reeds were all dried up. There was no one to help him. There was no one to see him cry either, so Emir did. He cried and cried. Then he noticed that tears were water, so he cried harder, wondering how many tears it would take to provide enough water to get his boat afloat again. Millions and millions. He'd be an old man first, he thought. And then Emir really began to think. Where did water come from? He stopped crying at once. Water, he realized, came from rain. From rain, he shouted. An alligator lay nearby, not moving in the reeds. Emir shouted at him. Water comes from rain, I just learned that. But the alligator barely turned his head and said, I am very sick. Keep your voice down, will you? And don't bother me. What's wrong? Emir asked, because alligators were his favorite creature so far. What's wrong? snapped the alligator so loudly that Emir jumped. Some fool must have stopped the rain, so now there's no water and the swamp is drying up and all of the swamp creatures are sick. Then the alligator closed his eyes and wouldn't say another thing. Emir started to say, Why, that's terrible, who would do such an awful thing? But he never got the words out, because suddenly... Suddenly, he realized that the alligator unknowingly was talking about him. At the same time, he knew that he'd done a very, very wrong thing, wrong thing indeed, in demanding good weather. Frightened, Emir looked up at the sky. Please, sky, let it rain now, he said. I didn't realize that if it didn't rain, the swamp would dry out and there would be no water for my boat or that all the alligators would get sick. Please, make it rain. There was only silence, except for a few wary insect voices and the groans of the alligator. I didn't want to get cold and wet. I just wanted to be comfortable, Emir said in a miserable voice. Silence. And boat roofs haven't been invented yet, Emir added. So I thought that if it didn't rain, I'd stay dry anyhow. More silence. This time Emir stood up in his boat and stomped his feet and shook his fists and shouted, I demand that it rain, do you hear me? More silence. Emir had the awful feeling that he could demand all he wanted, but no one was going to pay him the least attention. He shouted until his voice grew hoarse and the alligator told him to be quiet. Finally, everything was silent, 
including Emir. The whole swamp seemed to be waiting for something. Silver insects quieted. Brown and golden reeds with bent stems stopped moving. Night fell. The moon came up. And then Emir whispered, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to make the alligator sick or dry up the swamp. If I had to do over, I'd gladly get wet and cold for days on end. All of a sudden, one great big black cloud came from nowhere and covered the moon. A dark whistling wind began to blow far away, but already it rustled the reeds and twirled through the air. The night turned blacker than any night that Emir had ever seen. Even the lily pads murmured nervously. Then the alligator smiled, and from everywhere, all of the swamp, creatures began crawling or flying or moving in whatever way was natural to them, except for the fish who couldn't swim without water, and another sound started. At first, Emir didn't know what the sound was, but then the hard, fat plops of rain hit, and hit, and hit. It seemed to Emir that millions of gallons of rain fell. The water rushed into the swamp, and the reeds grew supple again. The fish began swimming, and the alligators snapped their jaws with joy. Emir's little boat filled right to the top with water. Emir was so wet and cold that he put on all of his clothes, one set right over the other. It rained all night and all the next day and the following night and day as well. Finally, the rain stopped. Emir bailed out his boat with his coconut shell and bailed and bailed. His crackers were all gone. What was left of his honey stuck to his little red slippers. But Emir didn't even care. He took off his clothes and laid them out on the edges of his boat to dry in the sun. And he thought, What a lot of trouble I got into just because boats don't have roofs yet. And I wanted to be dry and comfortable. Still, It seemed that stopping the rain made sense. Since I was wrong, I wonder what I should have done instead. I could have invented the airplane, he answered himself. Then I wouldn't have had to travel by boat at all. Emir shook his head. It would have been silly to invent airplanes, he thought because there weren't any airports yet or electric lights to show planes where to land. He certainly wouldn't want to invent an airplane that crashed because it couldn't land. He looked up at the sky. The sun wasn't as bright as it had been a few moments earlier. Suppose it rained some more? If so, this time he wanted to be prepared. Emir looked around. Just beside the green alligator, there was a frog watching Emir and his boat from a lily pad. Emir suddenly jumped right up and down. 
The frog sat on the lily pad and it kept him dry, even though there was water beneath. Suddenly, Emir realized that if he held a lily pad over his head, instead of sitting on it, he would have an umbrella. Emir laughed and laughed and thought that his father was right after all. You could learn from everyone and everything. And this time, a frog had taught him something important. Now, that's using your head, the sky said. Emir didn't actually hear the sky speak words, but the sky did speak to Emir without words. In his mind, Emir heard the sun and clouds and sky all together say this. Stopping the rain was really a misuse of power. And besides, it took much more effort than was necessary to solve a simple problem. Always work with nature. If you try to make nature work for you, you always get more than you bargained for. With that, clouds closed over the sun. It started raining again, but Emir grinned. He reached over the edge of the boat and plucked a lily pad and the thick stem that came right along with it. Now he had an umbrella and a handle for it too. He held the lily pad over his head and felt very proud of himself indeed. Mm, only what shall I do now? he wondered. I don't have enough food to go much further and I'm not even near to finding the ocean. I'll never travel all around the world at this rate. <coughs> As Emir spoke, the sky sent him a strong wind. It turned Emir's little boat right around and sent it sailing back the way it had come. And so quickly that Emir didn't even have time to yell hello to the alligators he passed. Emir was relieved to be going home but disappointed too. He wondered what his father would say, because the journey could hardly be called a success. But as Emir approached his father's kingdom, he saw all the people and creatures waiting for him at the end of the swamp. Emir called to them and waved his lily pad in the air triumphantly. Emir invented the umbrella, they all shouted as he arrived. And well you did, his father said. For you'll be taking other trips and you'll have need of an umbrella and more. We have another serious problem and I'm afraid I'll have to send you out on a very strange journey indeed. In the meantime, I'm very proud of you for inventing the umbrella. Hooray for Emir! All the people shouted.